Welcome to Welcome to the Gun Show. I am joined by Tarek. This meeting is being recorded. <laughs> and Garrett. Hey, everybody. And uh, tonight we have a special guest who uh, Gaz will go ahead and introduce for us. Yeah, so tonight we're honored to have um, fellow Anderson shooting team member Mark Sue with us. Um, Mark is a USPSA Grandmaster. Um, he's currently shooting production as far as I'm aware with Shadow 2s. He's had some interesting gains with different applications of that. Um, he's also just recently come off a nice match win at the Oregon State Championship. So, Mark, thanks very much for your time and thank you for joining us. I am very happy to be here. I'm looking forward to a fun time. And we can't promise that you'll have that, yeah. but <laughs> wrong show. <laughs> we will try. Um, before we roll into the uh, main for tonight and have a nice conversation with Mark, uh, special thanks to Zero Mike Bullets, proud sponsor of the show. You guys know the draw. Websites up, bullets are available. Get your orders in. Contact Gaz directly for your discount code. Um, obviously, special thanks to Gaz and DVC Technologies, everything he does for the shooting industry. And for this show specifically, uh, he has some really exciting products on the market. Please be sure to stop by his uh, website, dvctech.co.za or DVC Technologies on Facebook. I think he prefers the Facebook link though. That'll be in the show notes. Um, and then for the guys who have been doing the uh, drill of the month, we really appreciate it. I haven't seen any new submissions. Uh, the guides on Facebook should be up to date. So uh, get your uh, submissions in. We'll get those filed away. Again, thanks to Zero Mike, 1,000 bullets up for grabs from them for whoever wins the uh, ultimate draw. Flatback Alpha for the target stand and the swinger. And then shooting stuff with their 15-minute offer. Stop in. They have a timer for you. They have a target for you. Use their facilities in and out. Shoot the drill of the month. Get it submitted. Uh, excellent offer there. Um, T-Bag? Uh, Nexus Pro, Nexus Pro, Nexus Pro. 97 to go. <laughs> 97 to go. Uh, thanks again to the guys from Rocksteady Gear. You guys are amazing, uh, Lance and Dan. If you guys need any of the Rocksteady Gear products or information on those, reach out to Tarek directly. You can get you in contact with whoever you need to speak to. And then finally, Mr. Hayden McKay, thank you very much for uh, rating all the past episodes. We appreciate it. Even if you had to prompt me to say thanks to you on the show. Sorry about that. <laughs> Hayden sells vapes, so we don't really care too much what he thinks. There we go. <laughs> you Hi, heard Hayden. <laughs> Hi, Shaul. Hi, Shaul. <laughs> There's someone we haven't greeted. I was thinking of this the other day. There's someone who's been a really good... Oh, thanks again to Christian, who continues to share the post, the, 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 the thing everywhere. We haven't thanked you in a while, um, so thank you. Awesome. And then... Uh, Shall we turn it over to you, Mark? You probably have a couple of people you want to mention before we get into the uh, sort of nitty gritty of the show. Not to put you on the spot. Um, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, you know, uh, thank you to my sponsors, um, specifically Steve Anderson and the rest of the Anderson shooting team. So that's Jay and Gaz. Um, man, that's been extremely helpful for me, um, encouraging for me being in that community. Um, and then, um, uh, the guys out here who helped me and actually it's cool because, uh, through Steve Anderson, the sponsors that he works with have also become sponsors of the matches that I run. So specifically targets USA, um, AMG lab commander timers, um, outdoor dynamics and, and guys like that. So 
shout out to all those guys. It's been a lot of fun working with you. Awesome. We, we are uh, great fans of the AMG Lab Commander. Um, we're also fans of the, the Commander Sun. We're also fans of the Anthro HD glasses. So yes, those yes. are pretty cool. Um, those are great. Those are awesome. I wear them so, all the time. I'm too poor. I spend all my money on spiders. Yeah. <laughs> Derek shoot like production optics. No. Open for pores. So you can't, you can't afford to have Hunter's HD. Yeah, welfare open. I need spare dots. <laughs> you do need spare dots. All of them. So Mark, let's get rolling on this thing. Um, okay. Shall we start with sort of the, the, the easy thing and then we'll see where that takes us. Um, why shooting? What's the easy thing? A uh, why shooting? Yes. Okay. Oh, I, thought, I was going to say gas. Oh, uh, why? Okay. <laughs> so why shooting? Um, let's see here. I grew up in New York, New York City. And in New York City, there the gun laws are some of the most restrictive in the United States. Hmm. Uh, my dad had a semi-automatic pistol and he would occasionally um, take us out once a year, probably to go shoot it. And I remember all the loops, the, the hoops he had to jump through to own it. But I enjoyed at least knowing or having guns in the home. And my dad was pretty good at educating us on gun safety. Um, fast forward 20 plus years, I, I graduate college. I move out to Oregon, which um, has definitely less restrictive gun laws. And um, I'm out here and I discover that I can not only purchase a pistol, uh, um, but I can actually uh, take, take some courses and carry a, a pistol with me on my person. So I thought that was the coolest thing in the world and I decided to start doing that. So as soon as I was legally able to do so, I bought my own pistol and I carried it on me for a year. And uh, a year later, um, I, I said to myself, self, you don't really know how to shoot this thing. <laughs> so maybe you should go and learn how to shoot it. So I started taking classes. I took a couple of um, defensive handgun classes and um, in one of them, and I was a terrible, I was a terrible shooter. I, you know, all my sights were off because, because my guns would always print low left, even at five yards away. Um, <laughs> you know, I was that guy. And, um, but one of the instructors in my, in one of my defensive handgun classes said, if you really want to get good at shooting, you should start competing. So I found a local club um, here in my town. Um, and I, my town is not a terribly large one. It's, it's maybe 100,000 people. So nothing compared to the big city that I grew up in. But there was a shooting club. And I just showed up one day and they were shooting an outlaw steel match. And I brought my carry pistol and I finished dead last and hit almost nothing. But I had a great time. And that was 2010. And ever since then, I started practicing and jumping into it and getting involved into the sport in a variety of ways, um, not the least of which is match directing, which was my primary focus for, for a large portion of that time. So um, nowadays, why shooting? Because I enjoy the challenge of trying to get better at something. Um, I'm always, I've been the type of personality who I flit back and forth from one interest to another. I'm, I, I like this game here or that hobby there, back and forth all over the place. Um, shooting is really probably the first thing that I've said, okay, we're gonna try to actually master this and get really, really good at it. So um, it's been a great journey and I've met a ton of awesome people along the way, which has been helpful. So that's, that's why shooting. That sounds very similar to uh, a lot of people who we've spoken to on the show. 
And mm. uh, certainly similar to, to my journey, similar to, to uh, Gaz's. T, I don't think you got into competition shooting because you wanted to get better defensive stuff, or did you? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. it's very it's the same as, as all of our stories then. I um, hardcore to me. Built on streets. Built on streets. It's interesting how, how a lot of people go, and I'm, I'm genuinely one of these. I've been carrying this thing for a year, and uh, mm-hmm. I genuinely don't know how to shoot it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, and then things change. Um, I'm quite interested in the fact that you had a defensive instructor who, who went go shoot competition because we've had some uh, things to the contrary of that here recently. Um, yes. I, I guys say well. kilt on the street. You know, you can't cross the two lines because you know, deadly. It's um, 1986. 1986. Miami Dade is about to happen. <laughs> it's early in the year. <laughs> yeah. I, there's quite a few people like that over here in the States as well. And um, let's, let's go ahead and start off with uh, the raw opinion. <laughs> let's crack it open. My opinion is that, yeah, my, my opinion is those guys don't know how to shoot. <laughs> Amen. Fact. It, I've always said, as a rule, generally people who say that um, generally have been to a match, um, got their backsides kicked really hard, and instead of learning how to shoot good, it went, well, you see, kilts on the streets, my kung fu is too deadly for the ring. Um, yes. Insert uh, terrible cliche here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I'm actually just, and, and possibly this is something we're going to get to early, later, and it's possibly a question for later. But while it's in my head, how do you find balancing being running matches and being a, a, a serious competitor? You know, you're a, you're a GM, which for our South African listeners means you you're like really really good, um, and it's. It, it's it's not often jokes aside that, that you get that you know of, often it, it's really challenging because there's only so much time and, and if you're you're running a match you don't really have a lot of time to focus on on your own match so can we let's jump into that if you don't mind sure uh, sure it's it's quite mentally difficult and um, the reason, like the biggest benefit of being, of meeting Steve Anderson. So I only met Steve Anderson last year, last year. Yeah. I've known him for maybe 15 months. Oh, um, so I had almost 10 years of shooting under my belt before meeting Steve. And my shooting journey was an exercise in frustration along the way. I had made masterclass fairly early, um, just a combination of lots of dry fire, and um, a little bit of natural talent or natural natural proclivity towards fast improvement. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about the talent versus hard work discussion. Uh, but um, then I kind of hit a, a, a wall of improvement, I, I, a plateau. I didn't know how to get past it. And back then, this was, I think Steve had just written his first book. Um, so there wasn't a lot of literature. There wasn't a lot of video online to, for, to help me improve. So I just kind of like poked around wandering randomly in my, my own directions, trying to figure out how to get better. Um, around 2000, well, 2012, early 2013, I, I actually stopped practicing a lot. Um, my, I started having kids my first child was born and, um, and, uh, the hobby took a backseat, but I threw myself hard into match directing. 
So every year since then, I've put on a level two match, which is our Oregon State Championship. And that all culminated in 2019 when I hosted one of the largest matches uh, numerically that's ever been, as far as I know, um, uh, one of the larger matches in the United States. Mm -hmm. Area one 2019 had 485 shooters, which is um, yeah, not yeah, um, it's bigger than 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 nationals was uh, numerically speaking. Hmm. So um, and that, so that was the culmination of my match directing. And between then, I, I've sort of I messed around in open division, made master there. I managed to practice enough to not lose ground. But um, after after I, I conducted Area One in 2019, um, but but you know I I, I, I wouldn't call, have called myself a good competitor. I had developed in within me the capacity to shoot my local match as well because I would set up my local match, shoot it, have fun with the guys, tear it down. But that was really simple. I developed the ability to to break down stages, stage plans, and execute runs with fairly few visualizations. Um, you know, kind of on the fly thinking, simple simple stage plans, just execute it and, and go. So those are those were how I had my skill set had evolved. But after 2019, when I when I got done hosting Area One, I decided I was done with the match directing for a while, and I decided and I wanted to throw myself hard into practice again. I started practicing on my own. Still, I still had not even met Steve Anderson. Um, I made Grandmaster that fall and proceeded after making Grandmaster to shoot um, a major match um, that I did not direct, which was a rare because in that whole stretch of probably six years, I went to maybe one major match that was not my own match. So I wasn't even traveling a lot and competing a lot. But I went to a major match as a brand new freshly minted grandmaster went there and proceeded to shoot one of the worst matches of my life. And I lost to a couple of eight class shooters and was completely horrified <laughs> and, and went home and, and reevaluated my life, life choices. Um, so, um, so that, that was at that point, um, fall or summer winter of 2019, I decided to really, really start practicing. So I threw myself into my own practice, trying to just, again, meandering, wandering about, trying to figure out the best way to improve. And in May of 21, of 20, uh, 2020, I took a Steve Anderson class and all the mental management stuff clicked into place. And since then, um, it's, been, it's been an up and down journey, but uh, my, my overall shooting level and bringing out my subconscious skill in matches has gotten a lot stronger. And I've learned to really refine my approach towards match directing and shooting a match. So, to, so it's a long, long way to answer your question. Um, this last match I conducted two weeks ago was our, our Oregon State Championship. Um, I was match director. It's a level two match. You know, we had about 200 shooters. And a match director is, doing, is going a, a million miles an hour for most of the match, putting out fires, um, talking with people, running administration. I was also running the scorekeeping and, and all that stuff. And I only had time to fit in stages. Uh, you know, it was a 10 stage match um, in little pockets of time. You know, I have 20 minutes here and I try to fit in three stages and then I go back to doing work. Then I come back, you know, an hour later and I fit in three more stages and I, and I go do something else. Um, so I go in there and, and it's funny because I designed all the stages. I had actually physically built all the stages, but when I stepped onto the, onto the, the into the shooting area, and I looked, it, was a, it would be the first time I'd actually looked at the stages as a shooter. <laughs> and, I, and I have five minutes or less to, to go shoot it and go on to the next stage right away. Um, so intense, intense um, discipline mentally, 
um, intense managing of emotions um, and mindset, you know, um, in, intense focus on, 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 on really the, just the front, just the bare bones of visualization and setting all the distraction, not just of the, of the pressure of, of performing, because I expected to win the match. I expected to win production. Um, but also all the distractions of having, of being the match director and all the other things I was thinking about, um, the discipline, the mental discipline of setting that all aside, clearing the mind, grabbing onto the focus phrase and, and bringing out a subconscious performance. So all that to say, I've only just learned how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's taken me over 10 years to learn how to do that. And I've only just learned how to do it now. (laughs) So the, the Anderson classes that you took to, to get to this point, sort of forgetting the 10 years before that, which we shouldn't, but we're going to for a moment. Which classes did you do? Did you do the mental management? Did you do a sort of two-day shooting? Did you do a drive I did a two-day shooting, and then I took the mental management um, shortly thereafter. Okay, so, yeah. so you've done awesome. Yes. Yeah, th- those are fantastic. For the guys who don't know, Steve might be coming to join us in South Africa again, hopefully soon. And uh, for those of you who haven't done it, um, I would definitely hop onto that. Absolutely. Um, so just for the guys who don't sort of get what you say when you have little pockets to shoot. Um, so no pre-match. Um, the pre-match. Well, I, maybe some match directors are, are better at delegating than I am. Um, for me, I find that when they're shooting the pre-match, when the pre-match is on is actually my busiest time. Cause that's when everything is breaking and all the, there's all the fires to put out all over the place and, and, and everything. So I, I absolutely cannot shoot during my pre-match. Interesting. And then you, you sort of, I mean, there's no sort of schedule that you're shooting on, on the, the actual competition days. You're going, this broken popper is finally fixed. I'm standing next to a stage I haven't shot yet. I'll hop in the line. It, it's more Shoot. of, it's more of, there's a gap between squads here. The squad is coming in late. I'm going to go sit my, insert myself there while there's time. <laughs> <laughs> This is not a recommended course of action, boys and girls. I think that's probably made worse with uh, sort of the, the the pressure of expecting to win your division, um, mm-hmm. which in itself is not a bad thing. But I think that combined with sort of the pressure of running everything and having none of the sort of time to prep to shoot the stage that other shooters have, because if you're first in the line, you probably have a very similar experience to what you're having. Mm-hmm but you're not first on the line on every stage. So for most stages in the match, you're getting to see fellow competitors shoot it and you get to make better plans or refine your plan where you're doing essentially first on the line for every single stage of the match, which is. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I had not watched, I had not watched shooters shoot any of the stages before I got there. So is the plan to continue sort of running the matches or are you you're going to try and are you going to focus more on the on the game itself going forward? I'm we have a I have a pretty good reputation of putting on the Oregon State Championship. So I think I'll commit to doing that every year and I I am in charge of my local club match, my monthly club club match. But um, last year and this year, I've done more traveling to major matches um, than I ever have before. So I'm, I'm putting the match directing. I'm still doing it, but it's on the back burner. And I'm trying to prioritize my own development as a, as a, as a competitor. So trying to do both. 
I mean, I think there's definitely there's definitely benefit to running the matches as a competitor. So I think you get a in in in, in that you get a better understanding of of, of what's happening. Um, not not at every match, um, but uh, there there are benefits to it. But it is that's a that is a challenge, especially at a match that size. And you mm-hmm. won, and you did win. I did, yes. Just, just to yeah. repeat that. I, I, had, I had a good match. I, I shot, I shot a match that was well within uh, the bounds of uh, boundaries of my skill level. So, um, and I knew if I just did that, then I would, I would most likely win the match. So it worked out pretty well for me. That's a pretty humble way to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to think the team Anderson guys all get a script. Yes, they have to be exceptionally nice. And 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 um, uh, just a, a quick hint to our listeners: if Steve, Mark, Jay, or Gaz ever offers you Kool Aid, don't drink it. <laughs> it is a kind of Kool Aid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have to understand. This is how we talk to each other. Also, you know, <laughs> why we all say the same language is when we talk to each other, we use the same, the same stuff. Yeah. I promise I'm actually, I'm not making fun. I, I just, uh, it, it, it is really interesting how, how similar the, and it works. I mean, jokes aside, you know, it, it's worked for all three of you. Um, so there's obviously something in it. Um, but it is, it is interesting how, how similar the, the approaches are. Um, mm-hmm. It's like you guys have actually listened to Steve or something. It's odd. Maybe what? even read the books, not just owned them. <laughs> I've listened to Steve. I think the, not, the, the important difference is... Not when you beer after the match. I mean, like... <laughs> I think the important difference is they listened and then did the stuff he said. <laughs> yeah, yes. You listened to Steve about his favorite Van Halen album. Yes, and then forgot all the other stuff that he was trying to teach me. Um, it's his own fault for trying to teach me, honestly. But <laughs> so... Um, so production, your your plan is to stay with production or because you say you've moved around in the past, are you kind of set on production? No, no. Um, I've shot predominantly production. Um, that's been my main division. I dabbled in open for a couple of years. I made master there. Um, and I, I'm convinced I didn't know what I was doing at all. Uh, I think I shot the dot completely wrong. Um, then I came back to production because my open gun broke, which they, they were what? prone to do. An open gun broke? And- Next, you're going to tell me that water is wet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, my my plan is to go to carry optics um, probably in a couple months. I'm going to shoot area one, which is next month here in the States. And there's a, in November, there's a a pretty big production and single stack only match in California that I'm going to shoot production for, but I'm going to start transitioning to carry optics. It's just in, in the, in the U.S., I don't know how it is in South Africa or elsewhere, but in the U.S., um, carry optics is getting a huge influx of, of just attendance. People are, are being drained away from, from some of the other divisions, including production. Produ- so. Production's still the biggest here, and I think it, it's the biggest in most of the IPSC regions, primarily, I think, because of the 15-round capacity thing. So. Uh-huh. I think 10 round production takes a, a very specific sort of mindset. It's, it's weirdos like Kuno who want to shoot single stack guns. Um, mm-hmm. I think, uh, because we've got the 15 shot production, I think a lot more, it, it's, it's, you know, the, 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 it, it's a slightly more open for want of a better term game. Um, 
I like you appreciate the dog because it's 2021 and um, bumpy things on the top again, the silly. Uh, <laughs> I, I really like iron sights, but I, I acknowledge that the dot is a superior sighting system. So. <laughs> you feed Eric. Don't feed the troll. Don't feed the troll. Don't don't tell him that's so superior because uh-huh. he'll never live it down. T, you know if you, you know, I'll tell you later. <laughs> I think oh, that's wise. Okay. Whatever that was. Behave. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, behave. Mark, you've you've already played around with that transition between training with a dot and then flipping back to iron sights and back and forth, and that's that's been something that quite a few guys I've heard talk about and tried that. What did you sort of find when you were playing with that transition and flipping between the two? Um, so earlier, so I think January and February this year, I dry fired solely with a dot. Um, and my goal in doing that was to learn how to break my eyes away from a sight focused, a front sight focused habit. Right. And also to learn how to snap my eyes to a specific spot on a target as opposed to general center of a shape. Um, and I would say it helped, it helped somewhat. Um, I find I now have the ability to, when lining up my iron sights, to fluctuate my, the, the depth of, of target focus versus sight focus um, that I couldn't do before just because I had done, I had shot irons for, you know, for almost 10 years and I always brought my eyes back. So I think that's helped me. And I, I found that I've had no loss of accuracy um, from doing that. So, um, little little pieces along the way, I think, uh, have come into play. But um, when I when I make the hard transition to a dot, I think that I still have quite a bit to learn because I, I still don't understand how to manage. I understand the principles of how you're supposed to shoot it. I don't have the, the neurological pathways built up of being able to manage the dot in motion, um, if that makes sense. Mm. So. I think you just point the gun in the general direction of the target and then double tap. Isn't it? And they just go there? Yeah. That's, oh, that's, that's awesome. what the dot's for. Laser aiming. <laughs> Cannot miss. I'm looking forward to getting to doing that. You also, you can get those special cardboard magnet bullets. <laughs> yeah, from, from Zero Mike Bullets. There we go. Tell them about that. Oh, so that's, that's the IPSC secret. Do you, do you guys say IPSC or do you say IPSC? Uh, it's sort of interchange between them. Yeah, I normally okay. say IPSC. I think uh, it depends. I think because I'm old and broken. I, I say Ipsic, I think a lot more of the less of the younger guys say, I don't actually okay. know. I don't really listen much when people talk. Um, <laughs> Warren, what, do, what do you say? I interchange between them. Gaylord? In in I general was, sort of conversation, I'll, I'll say Ipsic, but I think on the show I'll say IPSC. Uh, I'm just lazy. I think more often than not, I say IPSC, but I will flip onto Ipsic every now and then. Depends. Okay. As, as long as it's it's at least somewhat um, understandable when I say yeah. Ipsic that one, I'm okay. Oh yeah, no, we, we oh no, it's it's fine. We we say a lot of stuff on the show that no one understands except for the three of us, and sometimes we don't even understand it. So don't worry about it. If someone doesn't get it, they'll ask. Um, we'll we'll see the comments flowing in on what was this dude talking about. And uh, you're gonna you're gonna stick with the shadow twos for for carry optics or. Yeah. Um, and that's primarily because I like the platform and I have the guns. So I have, I have a, a primary production gun, Shadow 2. I have a, a Shadow 2 built up for carry optics. And I have an, a third one that will be my backup for both. I can, I can either put irons or an optic on it. So I have the guns, so I'll shoot them. I, I don't particularly, like here, 
in the States, the, the, the most popular carry optics guns are Shadow 2s and uh, the SIG, the Legion. Um, I just, the, the SIG doesn't feel right to me. It, so I, I, just, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I will stick with the Shadow. <laughs> it is wrong. <laughs> so none of that Glock love is like rubbed off on you from, from Jay and Gaz? No, no, I hate Glocks. Um, oh, I don't know why over. they shoot them. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell. <laughs> I heard one guy say, the, the natural point of aim of a Glock, if you take someone who's never shot a gun before, put a Glock in their hand and tell them to pull the trigger, they'll put a bullet in the ceiling. That's, that's to make that's up for people's terrible trigger control. It's a feature. <laughs> okay, okay, it's a feature. <laughs> Is this where we point out what Terry does for a living or uh, do we just sort of leave it hanging? Are, are you a Glock, a Glock pro or a, an, an armor smith or something? Or a- I'm, I'm, I'm the Glock importer. Okay. okay. <laughs> He's also the, uh, the, the armorer of the armorers. <laughs> as awkward as that is to say. Um, so I, I, I am in fact a page hill. Um, that's all right. That's all right. But, but haven't I heard you say that you like shooting 1911s? I, to be honest, I, I, I like guns. I have 1911s. I have yeah. a Shadow 2. I have a Beretta 92. I like guns. I like shotguns more than anything on the planet. Um, mm. But, uh, yeah, I, I shoot anything Ex- except yeah. a SIG yeah. um, yeah. on general <laughs> principle. <laughs> I do have a Glock. I do have a Glock, but it's, it's, for class, it's my loner gun for when I teach classes. Like when I teach defensive classes. Well, so, you, you, you to are make a sure that you <laughs> So you've got to have at least a gun that's not going to break to hand to the students. Yes. Yeah, and that's the thing. I know I can. I don't ever have to clean it. I can just kick it around in the dirt, and it'll be fine. So <laughs> and it'll be fine. So hold up, hold up that uh, enigma of yours again, so we can see what's in it. Oh, okay. So this this is a that's a CZ P10S. Oh, and my I, word. Is that ported? <laughs> I did yeah, port it. Yes. Nice. That's kind of cool. Yeah. That is Charles. Charles is going to be such a fan girl. Charles going to love otherwise. It's stock otherwise. No, I love this gun. Um, and the reason I ported it was because um, small nine millimeters, especially with you know plus P defensive ammo, they they just kick so much. Like the uh, the the muzzle rise is. It just it just blasts so hard in your hand. It's not I can't not that I can't control it or shoot it accurately. It's just that I'm used to shooting a Shadow Two with competitive loads. I'm used to being able to run the gun and seeing the sights track a certain way, right? And then for me to take my carry gun out and have to wait an ungodly amount of time for the sights to come back down, I just didn't like it. So I found that by porting it um, with my plus P loads, and it, which is great because those are usually packed with a, a slower powder, mm. almost like how you would design a load to run in a compensator um, with my plus P loads, I lose, I, I chopped off maybe 40 or 50% of the muzzle rise and I can, I can run it now really fast. So yeah, I mean, if, you, if you don't, if you don't have that optimal grip to barrel angle, like, like the, the Glock does, then you sometimes <laughs> need a bit of mechanical assistance too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was going Sorry. to ask Mark to keep quiet at this point. <laughs> <laughs> because we've been we've been trying to talk Tarek out 
of uh, porting and compensating a character. Oh, no. Um, I, 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 I want to do a Foland. Um. So, so, I mean, you've just undone weeks of Derek. That would be so cool, but you probably shouldn't. Yeah. And because you're a better shooter than I am, you know he's just going to disregard everything I say. Yeah, I know, exactly. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's, it's done. I mean, sorry, sorry, Corn. There's downsides. There's downsides. So, so, I mean, oh, by the way, I mean, uh, the competition shooting I love, but I also, I'm not quite a Timmy, but I do love the d- defensive side of things. So I take classes. I teach I teach defensive classes. Um, I'm a certified force-on-force instructor and, uh, I, and, and and that kind of thing here. I don't do it a lot or even, even semi-professionally. I just teach cl- odd classes, you know, a handful of classes every year. But I do like the, the conversations and I do like the defensive world. So... Um, I, actually, yeah. I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up and, and, and you kind of beat my segue when you mentioned defensive classes because um, I, I think yeah, the, the three of us, as, as we said, got in, we're, 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 we're all gamer fags, but we all got into this because of the defensive stuff and we, we all remain, um, and a, probably at least 50% of our shows have something to do with defensive stuff when we, we're not yeah. just talking about the rubbish. Um, That's great. How do you how do you deal and and this is something I couldn't remember if you mentioned this in the pre-show or during the show. Uh, how do you you approach and, and I'm sure you still get it there because we, we we've had a rush of it here lately after our um, exciting couple of weeks we've had in in South Africa. Uh, mm-hmm. The 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 kilt on the streets. Um, you're not going to know what to do because there wasn't a buzzer to go beep. You, mm-hmm. Your guns in the wrong place. How how, how do you approach that? Um, particular <clears throat> argument um brian enos in his book um oh, what was it called Breaking he only wrote one yeah yeah uh he, he says that he doesn't he's not a defensive shooter but he does know that if he was on a ship and i'm just paraphrasing because it was a long time since i read it but if he was out in a ship in the ocean and it started to sink he would rather be an olympic swimmer than not so i think in a practical situation and I've proven this to myself in force-on-force classes and that kind of thing. Um, I find that I am able to devote more of my conscious brain power towards assessing the situation, um, observing, reacting, and, and all that stuff because I don't have to devote anything, any of my, my processing power towards running the gun. Um, I took a force-on-force class, an actual simunitions kind of class um, uh, earlier, uh, late last year. And, and I was able to consistently, uh, you know, run the gun, get multiple center of mass hits on multiple threats, um, before other people were able to even deploy their guns. And, and if you ask me, did I ever see my sights? I would say no, because <laughs> I wasn't evaluating, you know, that as uh, that was all subconscious, the, all the gun manipulation, the, t- the accuracy and everything was subconscious. I was evaluating angles of fire. I was ang- evaluating ways of escaping the, the situation um, without resorting to violence, stuff like that. I was, ang- I was, I was evaluating communication and uh, 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 all, all those things. So it, 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 it's almost like being able to shoot a handgun. Well, is not a bad thing in a defensive situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, t- I tell, I tell my, the people that I work with and that I, I, um, that I teach classes, I say, it doesn't matter which world you come from In the defensive world, you have to be fast because if you're not fast, you're dead. You have to be accurate, right? Because in the, in the States anyway, you're liable for every round you fire. And if you hit a little girl down the street because you missed the bad guy, 
five feet in front of you, um, then you're, you're going to jail. Um, Same thing and you here. also, okay. And you have to be able to, to operate under stress. So those three things are of absolute importance in the competition world, right? You have to be fast. You have to be accurate and you have to be able to operate under stress. So I see there's, there's huge areas where the, the gamesmanship does not align with the tactics of, of defensive scenarios, but where they do align, where, where, the, where the, the priorities do overlap in speed, accuracy, and, and you know, being able to manip manipulate your gun under pressure. Um, I mean, those are hugely important in both worlds. So, Yeah, shooting stays shooting. Um, yes. Effectively. So just to yes. clarify there, when you said you, if we had to ask you if you saw your site, you would say mm -hmm. no. That wasn't because you weren't using them. Correct. You were oh, using them exactly as you should. Absolutely. It's just you weren't focused on that to the point where you would recall it afterwards. You weren't exactly. doing the classic, uh, you won't use your sites because not seeing them and not using or not remembering seeing them and not using them is not the same thing. That's, that's a great point. And honestly, honestly, Jay and I have had this conversation. I don't know if we had it with you guys, but nowadays when I shoot stages in competition, I don't recall seeing my sights on most targets because, um, um, and Jay told me this subconscious activity does not build memory. Um, so if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're executing a subconscious operation, it won't imprint, make a memory imprint. You know, it's only the, like, like a dream. If you have a dream, it's happening subconsciously. You don't remember it unless you reaffirm it consciously afterwards. So same thing, same thing with shooting. So in a defensive situation, I use my sights all the time. I was getting great hits, you know, really tight center mass hits. So I had to been using my sights, but it was not a conscious operation. This is and where we do the mic drop. Memory, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was excellently phrased. Let's just put it that way. That was. Uh, that wasn't excellently phrased though, Corden. Yeah, I'm, I'm terrible. That's one of those things. <laughs> I know it, it's, I, and, and the, I think partially the reason we, we got you to reiterate that is, is because of the amount of times, you know, ho hopefully if enough people repeat it, um, people will start believing it. Uh, you know, there's, there's this sort of constant sort of barrage of, of competition getting you killed on the streets and hmm. you can't use your sights. And, you know, somehow the, the mechanical skill of shooting a handgun at people and at cardboard is completely different. Um, my personal favorite is you practice on paper targets uh, as opposed to what, um, what, what, <laughs> what do you practice on to me? <laughs> yeah, the, the other bit of practice is illegal and highly frowned upon. Yeah. <laughs> my, my personal favorite has always been the, uh, sort of gross motor versus fine motor because mm. I can work this really fine trigger, right? And I can hit this mag release. Mm -hmm but I can't run a slide release because, because running a slide release is a, is a fine motor skill and that goes away. So you have to slingshot, mm -hmm. but working the trigger and the magazine release is no problem. Oh, yeah, okay. I see where you're going. <laughs> yeah. But that's I, I, a personal favorite of mine. I, I just only buy, make a point to only buy guns that auto forward, you know, when I put the, <laughs> the magazine in. <laughs> all right mark is getting thrown out of this meeting right now so. <laughs> that's a wrap sorry he's, he's american and they know nothing about gun fighting just just ignore everything he said just ignore the auto forward please <laughs> Tarek has a Tarek has a great story about one of his mates learning how to auto forward a gun and then yeah. how it didn't how it didn't go well 
I don't think I've repeated on the show. So a really good mate of mine happens. He's, he's handicapped. He's left-handed. Um, and uh, he was, this is before Gen 5 Glocks shooting a Glock 19 Gen 3. And we used to shoot IDPA. Don't hold it against me. Um, and he, 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 and the dude is a hell of a shooter. He's, he's one of the best shooters I know. And he was trying to work a way to, to kind of speed up that slide lock reload because it's a big thing in IDPA. And he discovered that if he if he auto forwarded, it was it was quicker than coming under the bottom or trying to do an Aaron Cowan with his index finger or, or whatever. And he he before an Africa champ, so a big level four match, he just he worked really hard. He did like three and a half thousand rounds of just practicing getting that auto forward down. And he had it; it was spectacular. And the first stage of the match, he he ran he ran eleven rounds, slide locked open, hit the mag release, jammed the mag in smacked it to do the auto forward and nothing happened. And then as everyone who auto forwards kind of says, you know, his plan was always, if it didn't work, he was going to come and hit the slide stop. But because of task fixation, what he did is he kind of Mongo smashed the bottom of his gun four or five times, <laughs> looked at it like it was made out of cheese and then went, Oh bleep and wang the slide stop so that he could finish the stage. Um <laughs> So that that is whenever anyone brings up auto forwarding, that is that is always the because it was it was literally he he did it perfectly every time they got to that first stage and it just the gun decided it wasn't going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Today it is was, not your day. That was no. the one rep in the thousands that he had done that just didn't work, and it had to be then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now my my gun my shadow to auto forwards. 75% of the time. Um, but I never reach over the top. <laughs> Close the slide. I just Works use my thumb. every time, 60% yeah. of the time. <laughs> you just use your thumb. So you're correct handed. Yes. Yeah. I'm right handed. Yeah. There we go. He's put together the way that it should be. Sorry, Gaz. Unlike Gaz. What did I do? You're backwards. <laughs> Put you? together backwards. You shoot. Ma Ma Mark's trying to work this out because right Mark's like, he shoots right-handed. No, he shoots right-handed, but he's left-handed. Yeah, Gaz is left-handed. Oh, he just he shoots I like a normal that. person. That's why he really? he cheats yeah. when he's shooting like weekend only stages because that's his. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's incredible! Wow, Gaz, that must have taken a lot of work to to build up that skill set. Uh, I was lucky that. I sort of started shooting right-handed when I started shooting pistols. So it sort of started to happen naturally. Hmm. Uh, the only thing that was quite a bit of work was changing my eye dominance. That's all. Okay. Hmm. So you actually learned how to be right eye dominant? Yeah. Wow. You didn't just move the gun over in front of your left eye? No, <laughs> no, I couldn't make that's, it that easy. Eh? I mean, that's that, the that, easy that was, route. That, that was some subtle shade that Mark. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you talking about? <laughs> Could have moved the gun an inch to the right. <laughs> yeah. Hindsight's <laughs> always 2020, isn't it? <laughs> this is a fact. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Huh. Okay. <laughs> you looked like you wanted to ask something, T. I did. And and then I would just kind of lost my train of thought again. Did you I forget? Was laugh, I was just <laughs> laughing internally at Gaz. <laughs> <laughs> the train has left the station. So, so based on the fact that you that you have an enigma, um, I assume mm -hmm. that uh, concealed carry is illegal where you are? Yes. Is there a permit yes. required or is it one of the places where you can just sort of do your own thing? Or? No, permit required. 
And um, here in Oregon, and granted, um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I teach concealed handgun classes here because I want to encourage um, safe, knowledgeable, and you know, proficient use of handguns. Um, the, the bar, it, I mean, we have, there's a, in Oregon law, there's a requirement to take a safety class before you apply for a concealed handgun license. But even then it's a, it's a pretty low bar. And, you know, there's plenty of people carrying guns around here that I, I personally would be like, I don't know if I want you to carry a gun, <laughs> but so, so I, I try, I try to raise the bar in my own classes to provide a good dose of, you know, situational awareness, um, you know, defensive firing, uh, you know, just justification of firing, all, all, all the good stuff, and then train them to actually deploy the gun um, responsibly if, if they have to. So uh, long, I guess, long answer for a short question. Um, yes, it's easy. It's fairly easy to get a concealed handgun license here in Oregon, but you do have to take a class and apply for it. Uh, some other states are much easier to get a license um, than we are. So question on that, and, and I'm going to try and phrase this correctly. I'm not a clever man, so, so bear with me. Oregon, as I understand it, is, is a, a, a pretty liberal state. Um, I mean, there was, there was all the drama in Portland last year and that sort of thing. How, but, but gun law-wise, you, you guys are actually, I mean, you, you're pretty solid. Uh, you don't have any assault weapon bans or, or mag cap limits or any of that sort of silliness as far as I'm aware. Does that, that, sort, of, that, that sort of social thing bleed over into the gun thing? Is it, is it, are, you, are you likely to have more drama if, if, if you shoot someone in Oregon than if you shot someone in Arizona, as a, as a silly example? Um, yes. Um, I'd, I'd, say, I'd say that's an accurate assessment. Oregon is politically liberal. Um, and they're trying to get our gun laws moving in that direction. So every, every year they pass something small and they, and they always propose the, the mag limits and the, mm. uh, the AR bans and, and all that stuff. They haven't passed yet, um, but they always inch along year by year. Um, I live in central Oregon. So Oregon is divided into two, two sections. There's the, the, the coast or the, the valley where Portland and all the major metropo metropolitan places are, the vast majority of the population is there. And they carry all the votes, all the, all the legislative power. But the, the, you know, geographically speaking, the rest of the state, 80% of the state is, is um, right of them politically uh, to some degree. And the further east you go, the more conservative it is. Hmm. So where I live is dead in the middle. So our town is probably a good half and half, 50-50. So I would say that with all that, all the riots and the polit and the and the crazy stuff that was happening in Oregon um, over the past year and change, um, yeah, some things happened um, defensive wise, gun law wise, that um, everyone here was would raise their eyebrows at, like you know why why is this person being prosecuted for defending themselves? Um, and it was obviously getting quite political. I'd say that what happened if that same thing happened here where I live. In Central Oregon, it would probably be prosecuted differently, but uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, it's it, always one of those things that sort of it's interesting to look at from the outside, um, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, you know, you, the, you, you, there's perceptions based on on sort of what you see in media yeah. and social media and that. Uh, now, Oregon, yeah, Oregon has gotten quite political. 
in, in that way. So I, I, I can't say if I, I probably, well, I try to avoid Portland, for example, in general. Hmm. Um, I, if I were in Portland and I had to be there and I had my gun on me, which is legal for me to do, I would, my criteria for having to use it and I, honest and granted, I never want to shoot anybody, but um, my criteria for actually using a gun would be different than here where I am hmm. because it's just, I don't know that it would be handled. Um, it would pro- be prosecuted fairly under the law, uh, you know, just, it, it would probably be a lot of political hmm. factors also wrapped into it. So I don't know. I don't yeah, intend so- to find out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, don't, don't do that. Yeah, so, sometimes the, uh, the, the prosecution is politically motivated and it, under the exact same laws, depending on whether they're trying to make an example of you or not, yes, you could be tried differently and the outcome could be different yes. under the exact same laws for the exact same circumstance. It's, it's madness, but it is the world we live in. Um, yes, it is. And it's, it's true, I think, probably pretty much everywhere. I think um, also, I mean, for you guys with the jury system, um, there's going to be, you know, the 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 jury you're going to face in a in a Portland and the jury you're going to face where you are, are it, it's 12 very mm-hmm. different of your peers. Um, yes. So. Wait, you don't have a jury in South Africa? No, no, we, uh, we, and to be honest, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, but uh, no, uh, judges, we, we have a judge and we haven't had juries here for, uh, I think since sort of pre-Republic times. I, I could be wrong. I know we did it at a stage, um, but, but we use a, a Roman Dutch law. So uh, we don't have juries. We have judges making decisions. Um, okay. Which is generally actually... <laughs> The, the advantage to it is obviously you have someone with an understanding of the law um, kind of as a general rule, making a decision based on the law, as opposed to 12 people picking who's got the better attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, our, our legal system is, it's, it's interesting because of our history. So there's, uh, there's still sort of wigs and gowns and um, different levels of attorneys for different things. And uh, Oh, wow. But, but yeah, it's <laughs> so we, we have like attorneys and advocates and um, and according, apparently according to George, the difference between an attorney and an advocate is about five grand an hour. Um, <laughs> Based on what I've been doing for the last uh, sort of I don't know six or eight years or something, uh, can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, yeah. wow, I didn't know that. Wow, cool. You learned something new. We also drive on the correct side of the road here. Oh, um, the so it's 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 left it's left. wrong sided when you're shooting hand for your shooting hand, but it's right it's it's the correct side for driving. So, so you drive on you sit in the correct side of the car on the right side of the car. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you also use your right hand for the primary input. <laughs> okay. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's and gone way off topic. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I see you're, you're, you're part of team Enigma. Um, what are you, what are your thoughts on that thing is it's becoming, Oh yeah. Um, I'm curious to see your opinions too, cause I've only had this for, oh, oh probably three weeks now. Hmm. Um, I like it. I'd say it's more comfortable than the, the way I've been carrying otherwise, which is, I, I, I always carry appendix, but you know, I put on a pretty stiff belt and have a, a clip 
clip-on um, system. And I mean, what I tell people is appendix is not comfortable ever because it's just, you know, that's a part of your body that has a lot of soft tissue and you're putting a, a hard piece of metal there and, it, it, you know, there's a lot of give and a lot of take going on. But I find it more comfortable, maybe 10 to 20% more comfortable than traditional belt belt appendix carry. It takes a little bit longer to strap on and um, and take off. But I like I actually like being able to walk go around now and not have this massive, this thick gun belt um, you know, strapped onto me because I can just I can just wear this underneath sweatpants or or shorts, or, you know, gym shorts or that kind of thing. So it's been a positive change in carrying. It has a, a few extra challenges. Some of these buckles and stuff are a little big and mm. they, they, they chafe in certain areas sometimes. So you got to kind of work around that. Um, so I find that breaking the relationship between the, where the holster sits and where your pant line is can sometimes make it harder to get a grip on the gun. If you're, mm. if you're the, the, the waistband of your pant has ridden up, um, Whereas that was never a problem if it's if your gun is connected to the belt, so it's just something else to be, to be managed. But for the comfort level, I'm I'm all in. So I find that quite interesting that you said with the the buckle that can chafe in some areas. Um, on my standard Enigma, and I've had that since when do we get them? T like January. Yeah, I mean they were the first batch that landed here, so late December, early January, something like that. I think so. Mm-hmm. So we've had them like seven months maybe eight months, something like that. And I've been carrying in that pretty much that entire time. Um, I never had an issue with chafing on, on that particular one. Yeah. Now what I've found over the last sort of two weeks that I've been carrying the uh, sort of light bearing one, okay. that this one actually does chafe me, um, which is weird because it's the exact same buckle. I have it set up in the same way. I place it in the same place. Uh, and I know that one of the other sort of dudes that hangs out with us has commented that his also chafes him. I don't know if I just got incredibly lucky with my first one and just something about this sort of strap that covers the back of the buckle is yeah. bigger or shaped in such a way that it doesn't do that for me. Um, I certainly am finding it with this and like a papoose, I think would be a, a really great addition to this particular one for me. Have you modified your Enigma at all to, to make it more comfortable? The only things that I have done to, to my Enigmas and this one probably doesn't have those done yet. Now this one doesn't have that done yet. Um, the only two things that I did to my normal Enigma is I tie a knot sort of over the adjustment on the leg strap. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's width, a good idea. And I tie a knot over sort of this sort of triangular piece. Mm-hmm. I tie a knot so that can't move. So once you've locked them in place in the right spot, you just tie a knot in each of those positions and it can't move. So there's no, I, I had, I, I pretty much live in jeans and I find that in jeans, I don't think, I don't know if there's just more friction, but in jeans, the strap is more likely to extend in, in sort of length, sort of sag down my leg. And then I get into sort of all sorts of unpleasantries in terms of when you step forward, it pinches your leg. And when you, mm-hmm. yeah. when you're in sort of the rearward portion of your stride, it drops down lower. And then when you move forward again, yeah. it pinches. You start more. walking funny. <laughs> you start walking. It's that whole, don't touch the gun. People can see what you're doing. Uh, that, that sort of rookie mistake when you start carrying concealed. Uh-huh. This does that, but now I'm touching my upper leg and people think I'm yep. weird. <laughs> yep. 
Or no, more people weird. know you're weird. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, correction. Your, yours looks modified, though, Mark. Your, your enigma. Mark. No, it no, it's 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 stock. I haven't uh, I haven't changed anything. Maybe it's just but the that's mic. a great idea of tying the knot. I'll I'll, I'll do that because mine. I'll send you. Shifts. I'll send you the photos of those of exactly okay. where they go. Um, it's okay. on the Folster Concealment Workshop too. I posted it there a while ago, and they've put into some of their guides and things, but I'll send you the photos. It's uh, a, yeah. yeah. If you're, if you're not there on Facebook, there's some really, really good Enigma stuff. Okay. Uh, when you send me the photo, it, it's fine. If you just send me a photo of just the holster, I don't need to see you modeling it or anything. <laughs> I know it, it only comes with him modeling it. It's either him or me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you decide which one you'd like to send you the photos. Um, you don't have to answer now. You can decide later. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's both. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> yeah, my, my, mine's getting off measured to put a papoose on it because, unfortunately, due to my successful lifestyle body shape, um, the the buckles can get a little bit uh, chafy as well. So to put a, a what on it? A papoose. So it's it's basically a it's a onesie for your enigma um, oh. just to, to kind of get it a bit of padding and a little bit of protection. Um, it's like a sock that covers the entire strap. I and then it's got like a, a better description thing. Onesie's a really good description. There's got like a sack that the entire holster sits in. <laughs> oh, wow. Who, ma- who makes that? Uh, there's, there's a, there's actually, if you go into that, that Forster group on Facebook, there's a guy there who sells them. John uh, Tucker, I think I'll find it. Yeah. Something too. like that. Just okay. tr- trying to get something like that here. Um, by the time you've paid the duties to import the fabric and all of that, it's going to cost a fortune. So, mm. uh, I've, I've, one of my guys at work's wife is really good at sewing and that. So I've asked her to, to see what she can do for us. Oh, that's cool. Um, and what holster have you got on there out of interest? Sure. Uh, this is a J J M Kydex holster. Ah, yeah. Awesome. Yep. Uh, I like them a lot. Stuff. Uh, his was the first appendix holster I could actually wear comfortably. Yes. Um, you know, I, I once again having a what is Quinn? Ah, Quinn, I don't know. You guys, Morgan's underwear. You go right ahead. Talk your thing. I just want to show. <laughs> Dude, him the I thing. just I got a big fright now. I was like, what's my computer doing? Keep doing your talks. So, oh, that is cool. And you can order yeah. these in the States. We'll send you the uh, the link for the group. Uh, but oh, it basically covers the whole thing and like kills the uh, the areas that, that can yeah. be uh, unpleasant. That's you know, a great I think, idea. I think that's going to be a winner. Uh, mm. you know, JM Custom was the first appendix holster I could actually wear comfortably. You know, I, I carried strong side for a very, very long time. Um, and I always wanted the benefits of appendix, but also, as I say, because of my, my successful lifestyle body shape, it, it was even more challenging. Um, and I got a jam custom holster when I was briefly carrying a SIG 229. I don't know what was wrong with me. Um, and, and that was a, a game changer. Can I agree. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Now, with appendix, uh, there's a lot of cheap holsters out there that are um, people buy, cause I know, I know this cause I've done it, buy it cause it's cheaper, put it on mm. immediately, take it off because there's no way in the world I can, I can live most of my life with that yeah. <laughs> strapped to my body. So it's, it's usually better to just buy the good holster initially and, and go from there. I've, I've fallen asleep on the couch with my, my G17 and the Fulster Pro. Um, nice. Hi John. 
Hi, Sarah. <laughs> and Sarah. Uh, <laughs> don't forget the wife. <laughs> it's interesting how difficult it is to get that message across to people. I mean, I, I've got a whole box of shame in terms of absolutely rubbish holsters. Oh, oh holsters. Started with. holsters. Sorry. Um, holsters. Yes. Oh, holsters. Holsters. Because we, yeah, we can't say that to you. We can imply it. <laughs> um, so I, I have a box of shame. I think it's taught me quite a bit about what works with holsters and what doesn't because I've experienced all the what doesn't. Um, but even with all that experience, it's quite difficult to get people to go. I mean, really good holsters over here are kind of expensive because if you want a jam you're importing it and it's going to cost money um mm. if you want a fullster a couple of years ago you had to import it and it was going to cost you money um now we have a, a, a local dealer who imports them and it's it's easier to get the product and it's it's generally more affordable but still it's really difficult to get people to go well i'm not going to spend sort of a hundred percent more on this holster despite the fact that it's going to sort of be something I live with every single day, 12, 15 hours a day. Uh, I'd rather buy this cheap thing that stuffs up my back and mm-hmm. sort of chafes me and is uncomfortable and I can never get a good draw from. And it, it's really weird how people just aren't open to the idea of there is, there are price classes here and they matter. Yes. Yes. Totally agree. So, uh, in the, in the, when it comes, my, my question is for you, um, cause I've seen videos in South Africa of what's been going on with some, some rides. I've seen gunfire exchange between citizens, I, I think, yep. um, is that, a, is that, uh, are those isolated events or is that kind of everywhere? Is that something, a reality you guys have to live with? So, so those, those recent riots were, were, uh, they, they, they weren't the norm, um, South Africa is a, on the whole, it's it, it's a it's a more violent place than than the United States or, or, or Europe or that. Um, but th- those particular rights were uh, there's various sort of debates about what was behind them, um, mm. and they were they were primarily in in KZN KwaZulu Natal, which is a, a coastal um, region where our former president who was arrested is from and he has quite a, a strong support base there and up here in Gauteng, which is Joburg's kind of the New York of, of SA for want of a better term, sort of the, the financial capital in that. And it was primarily here and there. Um, it was, it was an exciting week, um, <laughs> but it's no, it's not, it's not the norm. We, okay. We, <laughs> We're a lot more likely to be touched by violent crime in this country than, than you are. In fact, I, d- I don't know anyone who's never either been directly touched by violent crime or, or one degree away. Um, and the one degree away is pretty rare. Um, mm. So, you know, if the, the bigger the big example I often use with a lot of a lot of my friends from the States is, you know, if your average American policeman gets in a gunfight, it's quite a rare event. Mm-hmm. If your average South African policeman in this country who hasn't been in a gunfight probably hasn't been looking that hard. Um, obviously, not a that's that's a bit of a generalisation, but yeah, um, but wow, yeah, yeah, it's so it's it's not it's not Somalia, it's not the Wild West. Um, 
and for now we can carry guns uh so that that makes a big difference and and last week with the the, the riots citizens civilians with guns probably turned the tide of of, of what was happening there more than anything mm. else um wow. they were the, they were the first stop gap before before anyone else could could do anything so uh yeah it's <laughs> It, it's it's a difficult one because you don't you don't want to underplay it and pretend that it's it's you know it's it you know we, we're not in Boise Idaho, um, but as I say it's 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 not Somalia either. Um, there's there's dangerous places. I've I, I never forget. I once took a train. I don't know why. Um, I took a train from New York City to um, Philadelphia, which was which was very exciting. And I saw a couple of places on on that train trip that reminded me of some really dodgy places here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I would have happily paid five thousand dollars for a tourist thirty eight snub for for some of that train trip. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yep. Um, I hear you. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, you know the the rule of stupid still applies. Um, you know, and if you, it's 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 not a place where. I mean, I, lots of people don't carry guns, but it's it's not a place where I think if 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 you kind of switched on here, you're not carrying a gun when it's convenient or or when you're you think you might need a gun. It's it's for a lot of us, it's a reality. You know, you get up in the yeah. morning, you put a gun on, you go to bed, you you take it, you, you take it off. And, and as I say, last last week was we, in fact we 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 discussed a little bit on the show last week as well. Um, that was. That I, I could see some of the fires from my office. In fact, my office was was in one of the Google Maps no go zones. Um, oh, okay. But uh, we we had we had no no drama. Uh, okay. All right. No, thanks for sharing yeah. that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, so to summarise that, South, yeah. South Africa is a violent country. Last week is not the norm. It hasn't been the norm for probably thirty plus years uh, mm. since that sort of stuff was sort of common place for a while in South Africa. Um, you're more likely to need to defend yourself over here, not necessarily with a gun, but you're more likely to get into sort of violent confrontations and you're more likely to encounter vicious criminals hmm. who are essentially hell bent on hurting you. Um, where I, th- and, and this could be wrong, but I, I get the impression that in the States, they're generally there for goods or items that they want to take and they will hurt you to take it. Where here, in some instances, it's more they will hurt you and they might take some things if an opportunity comes up. Um, is wow. sort of the, the more common way of wow. looking at it. Sorry, T-Bag, I interrupted you. No, 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 no. Uh, just to add to what Kuno said, yeah, I think a crackhead with a raven trying to mug me is 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 not really a blip. It's not. It's not. It's not something that that is a major concern here. Um, but yeah, we have home invasions here are are, are not as a rule are not sort of drug dealer on drug dealer, which I sometimes get the impression is often the case in the States. Um, there are a lot of, you know, a lot of home invasions here happen in, in middle-class suburban houses and, and okay. working-class suburban houses um, where it's an, an attack to possibly take a cell phone, um, rape, torture, murder, um, that, that does sort of, it is a, it's a reality here. And as I said, we, we don't, it, it's, it's tough because you, you, you kind of, people either think it's, 
it, it's running gun battles everywhere or, or it's actually not that bad and you're just paranoid or whatever. Um, it's a dangerous place. It's still, if, if you can, one day when we get you to come shoot a match here. Um, Which you know, I would like to do. That's oh, you great. must. Um, you know, if, yeah. if, if we take you to a mall here, it, a lot of it's going to be very, very familiar. Um, there's just, okay. th- there's more sort of places you, you don't want to go. Yeah. Um, but I mean, grow up, growing up in New York City, uh, it was probably kind of similar as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if, if there's a lot of places where it's not a drama and there's places <laughs> where you don't really want to be, be caught. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Cool. So talk, talking about that, out of, out of interest, and, and uh, hopefully, hopefully it's not an ambush question. How how often are you practicing with your carry gear versus your your gamer gear? So how often is that little P10 getting shot out of your Enigma versus your your Shadow out of whatever holster you use? Because <laughs> not uh, not that often. Not um, I use it when I teach classes. I'm so guaranteed, you know, I don't know, 100 rounds four or five times a year. Um, and I'll occasionally just uh, just work it with um, some some drills if I want to, if I'm working up ammo loads and things. I mean, I, but my competition gun sees way more action than my carry gun does. Now, I mean, you know, whenever I put it on in the morning, I, 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 I do a few dry fire draws. Um, make sure I, I see the sights, make sure I can hold it and, you know, work the trigger a little bit. But other than that, um, no, I, I, I think that the reason I ported this gun was because I wanted it to behave a lot more like my competition gun. So the, the, the divide is not very big. So I've, I don't have a problem using it to perform demonstrations and classes, um, to pull off, you know, blazing fast appendix draws or, or put multiple hits on targets if I need to. Um, that's usually not a problem. So I don't know if that's much of an answer. <laughs> no, no, it, it, it's also kind of the answer I was hoping for. Um, you know, I, I think it's uh, it's something we've discussed as well. There's, there's often a perception that that if you're shooting your Shadow Two from a strong side holster, you're going to somehow forget that you're carrying a gun in your appendix, or, or it's going to work differently, or, or anything like that. And it's also it's always interesting to see. Um, you know, some some guys spend a huge amount of time on their carry gun. Some guys absolutely never shoot it. Um, so it's just out of interest and related to that, when, when you go to carry optics, are you going to put a dot in your carry gun? Yes, that's the plan. I want, I want my competition platform to be the same as my carry platform. So, yeah. I I was also, I was just going to figure out why T hadn't asked that yet. I'm glad he beat me to it. (laughs) But I mean, (laughs) (laughs) got to to work there, guys. I was, I was just, as he was answering, I'm like, Hmm. I wonder why this came up first. <laughs> no, that's, and I mean, indirectly, the good thing is what you've said there as well is that you're not completely ignoring your carry gun. You're actually staying fairly proficient with it. You're handling it regularly. That doesn't necessarily pull in the trigger on a live round, but you're handling it regularly. You're staying proficient with it, which I think is also something that often gets forget and gets forgotten about. No, I've been guilty of that too, where it just becomes something you strap on and you just, you ignore the thing. And then when you have to use it, for practice or whatever, when you change your mind, you're like, Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's small differences. I mean, they're both CZs, but the grip angle is slightly different. The trigger pull is a little bit different. The sight radius is definitely different. So um, you got to just familiarize yourself. But I think the vast majority of shooting skills transfer over from one platform to the other. hundred um, percent. Yeah. The only real 
Sorry, T-Bag. No, carry on. The, the only real difference I notice between shooting and, and my competition pistols and, and the gun I usually carry are, are fairly similar. The only real difference I notice when shooting them is uh, my timing is out. Mm-hmm. So with my competition guns, I'm pretty used to exactly when they're returned and I can shoot, where I tend to need to confirm a little bit more on my carry gun because it takes, it doesn't return with the same sort of, I don't want to say the same pace, but the the, the return time is not the same. Yeah, and that yeah. can sometimes throw me off. But beyond that, they're they're largely the same. And I think you've probably seen the same thing, T and Gaz, where if you're shooting your, your competition guns versus your carry guns, um, the shooting is largely the same. It's just the timing that's... If you change your competition gun every six months like I do, it's... Uh, Nothing <laughs> else is the same. <laughs> you, okay, Tarek. Tarek was a really bad example, Gaz. Yeah. <laughs> you, you also... No, go for it, Mark. I, I was just saying, you also might try porting the barrel on your on your carry gun. <laughs> I'm super I'm tempted. tempted. I am super tempted. G17C or... See, it's anyway. nice. I, I mean, I mean, the disadvantage, obviously, you know, if you have a ported barrel, it, I wouldn't do retention shots from here or anything like that, unless you yeah, want your face fine. burned. Eric has so. a lot of padding. He'll be fine. <laughs> I have this thick lash, lash just there you beard go. Thickly. to protect me. Yeah, he'll so, be fine. Let me get the good side. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then something else I want to, uh, another ambush question, sorry, because we, we never warn our Let's guests go. about what we're going to ask. And that's because we don't know till, till we're going to ask. So something we've, we, we've also discussed on the show and, and, and a theory of mine, and I'm very curious to, to get your sort of opinion on it being that you are actually a good shooter. Um, something we've discussed before is that I think there's a benefit to a more experienced shooter, not a beginner shooter, but a more experienced shooter shooting different guns from time to time to kind of force them to, to apply fundamentals, not so much as consciously think about them, but to stop that, that sort of, especially if you're shooting something, for example, like a shadow two, you know, you, you, a shadow two, a 1911, you, you can have pretty crappy fundamentals and still shoot it. Okay. Um, because a big heavy gun with a really light trigger. So, I have a theory um, that is my theory that is, sorry, that's a Monty Python reference, um, that, that there's a, a benefit to kind of not chopping and changing. You know, not, I'm not saying go to the range with five different pistols and, and, and sort of shoot 20 rounds through each of them. But like in your case, shooting the P10 a bit just for – I'm curious as to your thoughts on that, if I've explained what I'm trying to say in vague English. Yeah, Um I, I guess my answer would be I don't know the um, because I'm I'm more of a, a one gun kind of person, mm. so I like the Shadow Two platform and I, I stick with it. I don't tr- switch divisions very often. I don't shoot you know carry optics one month, then then mm. production one month, then open another month. Um, and I don't switch platforms very often. The, the the little bit of variation I do have in platforms, I I try to run both of them a fair amount until I feel pr- proficient enough with them. But that being said, I j- was just listening to um, a uh, an Instagram talk that JJ Rakaza did. And he was talking about the year that he won open limited nationals and almost won production nationals mm-hmm. all in the same year. And he was talking about this concept that if you, you're, you're, that you're like your best shooting comes out when you're purely sight driven, 
regardless of the timing of your gun. Because what he because he basically got a, a limited gun put in his hand is it on, on a lark. I'll just go shoot limited nationals, and he won. And he did it purely based on his sights. He did, he wasn't familiar with the timing. He wasn't familiar with the platform. It was a borrowed gun. Hmm. So I think that there's definitely some truth to that. I don't know that I'm good, a good enough shooter to <laughs> to to take advantage of it. Because for GM. me. For, for me, um, I do so much in my competition gun based on timing and familiarity with the platform um, that I'm probably sliding myself and cheating away from sites in, in, in some cases. And I'm, ha- I'm happy to admit that. So that's probably a, a big area of improvement that I could, I could work towards. And I actually hope to when, when I switch to carry optics, hoping that some of that goes, I, I, I get to learn that in the transition. I think it's going to be an interesting transition for you because not not only is there the, the the difference in sighting, which does I mean it is different. There's a reason they're in different divisions, but I think also going from a from a ten shot magazine to a twenty two shot magazine, um, it's going to I think it's going to change how you how you can approach things. It's going it's going to be interesting to watch from the outside. I think it's it, it'd probably be interesting to watch from the inside as well. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to be interesting to watch from the outside and just see how that. Uh, how that goes. And we may have to get you back on in a little while after you've been shooting carry optics. Oh, totally. So that we can yeah. discuss exactly um, how that sort of transition has gone because it's, uh, it is quite a, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty much as big as you can jump without, unless you went to open sort of thing. I mean, uh, big capacity dot, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that works for you. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, now, you have now I, been I, on the, Go on. Sorry, go ahead. You have now been on the show that's magic for uh, winning performances. Just ask Jay. This is true. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we did we did help him with his his nationals results. Um, you know, it's, we don't like to take the credit, but without us, he probably would have won. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was on the show and then came sixth like a week later in his first nationals. I mean, but. <laughs> There we go. Team Anderson's got each other's backs. Like they're like, <laughs> don't don't screw him out of space here. Yeah, fifth place. Fifth place. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, uh, yeah, I've got I got a lot of work to do heading in. So um, I've got Area One coming up next month. Um, and kind of like I mentioned to you, I think you were talking about how all, all us Andersonians sound the same. My mindset going into it is, you know. Um, and this is a conversation that Jay, Gaz, and I have had a lot. Um, I, I actually, Jay, Gaz, and I end up talking to each other more than I think we talk to Steve, just because I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's just how it, how it ends up working out. But um, you know, my, my mindset is just to go in there and not shoot above my skill level, not shoot below my skill level, but just to to deploy my actual skill level. Mm-hmm. You know, be consistent in in my process and. Uh, so part, so, I mean, back to the question you asked earlier, I've had trouble with my mindset, trouble finding that, that point in, and where can I bring out my actual, where, where does my mind need to be to bring out that performance? Um, all last year, I was kind of struggling back and forth. I had one match where I shot the best match probably performance that I had I had ever up to that point. And then a few months later, I would shoot a, a fairly subpar match. Um, and so I've had to learn what I can get away with in visualization, how my mind works, how to how to preempt my emotions 
you know, and all the, the highs and lows of emotion that I'm going to feel in a match, free visualizing those things going into a match um, so that I, I'm not surprised by them. So for example, area one, if I, I don't know what, how it's going to look, but I, I, I know that I'm squatted with another projection grandmaster and some other really good shooters. So my, my natural tendency is if I'm on a squad and I see someone else that I'm competing with destroy a stage, like, like just completely burn it down, my heart rate goes up. My, my anxiety goes up because I feel the need to match that performance, right? And I start, my mind starts spinning where I start tracking my performance according to his um, for the duration of the match. And it becomes a, a big distraction for me. And my performance overall usually tends to drop down. So what I do beforehand is I pre-visualize that, that, that emotional challenge. So I, I, I pre-visualize, I have never met this guy, right? I don't know how good he is, but I imagine him being amazing. I imagine him being faster and more accurate than me on every stage. Then I imagine myself feeling all those negative emotions and I start, I, I imagine myself dealing with them, you know, in the appropriate way, reverting to process. And I do so to the point where I, I actually imagine his great runs being a positive for me saying, you know, and I imagine myself feeling happy for him, congratulating him, being honestly very glad, glad for him, you know, as he's kicking my butt. Right. But, but just, just enjoying the fact that he's able to, to, to perform at such a high level and then using that positivity to, to drive me back into my mindset. This is all mental work that I do before the match even starts to prepare myself for the, for the, the possible challenge when I get there. So um, those are, those are in, in the match performance mindset. Those are some of the things that I've, I'm kind of, kind of gearing up for my next major match on. And um, I'm, I'm happy to, now that I've shared it with you to see whether or not it actually pans out for me. That's, that's bloody brilliant though. I mean, I, I, I think that's a, that's a very, it, it, it's, it's a very interesting and, and sort of mature approach, um, which is going to just lower the, the tone of this show. But um, <laughs> I think that's, that's, I mean, that's a, that's because that, I think that for a lot of people, that's sort of the challenge. It's that, you know, Steve goes on about it with sort of, oh, so-and-so is going to be there. Um, and I think that's a really nice sort of way to, to preempt. So, so instead of trying to not feel those emotions, it, it's kind of, you're feeling those emotions now um, mm -hmm. as opposed to at, at the time. That's, um, yes. li listen to that again, people. So, yes. Re and I, I try, I try to do that with a variety of a variety of factors. So I know I'm going to be nervous when I get there. I know I'm probably going to be tired because I'll probably have not gotten a normal night's sleep the night before, right? I know that there will other be other distractions. I might be the first person on the first stage, you know. So I so all those things I, I'll pre-visualize the nervousness, the tension, the uncertainty. All those all those it could be raining, you know. Hmm on my first stage, I'll, I'll visualize that and I'll visual, visualize myself dealing with those challenges and overcoming them ahead of time so that if they actually occur, um, then I've been there before and I, I can, I more, can more confidently revert to my process. That's, yeah. That's, that's unique. Uh, and, and I mean that in a positive way. Uh, I, I think there's, there's definitely lessons in that. That's, that's probably my, my big visualization tip. <laughs> <laughs> you guys should write that down. No jokes. <laughs> to write that down. That's a very proactive approach to uh, to issues that we all struggle with, even if we say we don't. 
Um, so Corn, if you can just um, edit that out of the show so that only we have it. Only you have that. That'd oh, I've got all kinds of all kinds of little <laughs> secrets to share. Then there's there's going to be a massive beep there, and everyone's going to think you cursed like a sailor. <laughs> but the rest of us, will, well, the three of us, will know. It was truly said there. Um, well, Gad knows all this. <laughs> if he hasn't shared it with you, it's because he's he's trying to hold out on you. Yeah, oh, he I is definitely holding out on us. You know, Gaz, I'd like to point out how much the other members of Team Anderson share with us, and and you quietly sitting there in your little black hole. <laughs> He's left again. He's looking oh, for yeah. the unmute. <laughs> it's unmuted. Why is it not working? <laughs> we can hear uh, you now. <laughs> uh, I see you don't share with the, with the group. I, I understand. I know why that is. Because he why doesn't like it. <laughs> we shoot different we're, divisions. Yeah, we're, oh, we're oh, not we competing against him at all. Um, and he's good. It's because we don't have big division between him and us and that he's actually good. We're uh, not Team Anderson. No. Gotcha. <laughs> no, then it's just because he doesn't like you then. It has to be. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame him. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks Mark, so much, guys. Sort of along a similar vein to get T and Gaz off each other. <laughs> <laughs> and in a manner of speaking. Um, <laughs> um, along a similar vein, so you're pre-visualizing some things that you, you think may bring you down at a match and you turn mm -hmm. them into positives. Mm -hmm. Where do you stand on interaction with your, your squad mates? Are you good, the guy who jokes around and, and has fun until you sort of on standby and then serious go time or you do something different? I've tried both. Um, and I find that, so, um, my, my personal approach towards visualizations is that it has to be comfortable for you. When, when you, when you are on the line, you can't be doing work when you're about to shoot. It cannot be work because if it's work, then you're, you're introducing tension. Your conscious mind is involved and you're going to have a sub skill level performance. Maybe not then, but somewhere in the match, you're going to have a sub skill level performance. Um, and when I, I don't mean, when I say work, I mean, I say that in a negative way. Some guys, they rise to the occasion of, of the, of the tension of the competition and all that stuff. And it helps refine their, their, their process and their focus. Actually, I think the best performers do that. Right. So that's, uh, I'm talking about something different. I've gone in and been all business before, all, been all business done dozens of visualizations, tried to pack my visualizations ton chocked full of detail and had my stages completely fall apart because I was overloading my brain, right? With, with too much detail and too much tension and too much work for me. And, and this is also because of my, my background. So I've been a match director and a shooter for most of my shooting career. I'm used to, I developed the skill set of going in quickly analyzing, uh, you know, a few visualizations and then dropping into performance, right? That's my, so, so for me and my, my current mindset, I have to be having fun. I have to, be enjoying myself. Otherwise I'm stressing myself out and, and bringing myself down. So I like to, I like to get to know the people that I'm shooting with. I like to enjoy myself. In fact, my primary focus phrase now, um, you know, it's not see the sights, it's not press the trigger or anything that my, my, my primary focus phrase now is this doesn't matter. Relax. This doesn't matter because for me that that setting aside of all the mentality and just trying to have fun, in that moment results in a more subconscious and better, better overall performance than, than any of the other mental cues I can give myself. Yeah. We're all big proponents of, uh, 
having fun. Even at big matches where the pressure's on and it, it really matters to you, mm-hmm. um, I think all three of us have found that if you take it too seriously, your performance tends to suffer. It does not mean don't take it seriously, right? When it's time to do the thing that you're there for, you do the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's not time to do the thing, you you have fun and you joke around and you mm-hmm. you, you make a pleasant yeah. day out of it because you're spending you know, 95% of your day is not spent shooting. So you might as well enjoy though, that that period as opposed to making Absolutely. it miserable for the 5% that you're actually going to spend shooting. I mean, you're Absolutely. a classic shooter, so 95% of your day is spent cleaning magazines, isn't it? Nope. I show up with enough mags that I hardly ever <laughs> clean mags and matches. I hardly ever stick ammo in mags and matches. <laughs> but there's, 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 Mark, you've been there probably, like many of us have. There's a big difference between being serious and not having fun. There's quite a Correct. defining line there. Serious can still be fun. And it should be. Yes. If it's not, you, you're there for the wrong reasons. Yes, totally agree. No, when, when, when the work has to happen, when the visualizations happen and the strategizing and all, all that stuff happens, you, you have to be, you know, working at full capacity. But when you're not, I mean, the tension has to go somewhere. You have to relax. You have to, to be able to enjoy your trip. So I totally agree. Uh, then, what, what else do you want to hide from us, guys? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Just my face. Look, just my face. <laughs> We're going to FaceTime you after this is done to check what you look like. <laughs> Don't I need an apple to FaceTime? Probably. <laughs> so are we going to get you to South Africa to come shoot some matches, Mr. Sue? You know, um, I'm I'm up for it. Steve Steve was um, possibly hinting at you know the possibility of this trip or next trip or something. Me, me coming down. I'm up for it. Um, you know, I, I don't know if details work out. Um, I'd love to. I think that'd be great. It'd be awesome if you can you know if you can time it with one of our level threes. Um, it'll be really really good for, to have you, yeah. Archer. And uh, I don't know if you've ever shot Ipsic before as opposed to you. I never have. So. I'll have to move my magazine pouches and yes, and everything. Oh, I think. Yeah. Yours forward of the hip. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to go back behind the hip. And I Take see that whip. you guys, you guys have to start more vertically. Your hands actually further down by your sides. You can't cheat towards the gun or anything. Yeah. It seems like. Yeah. No, and relax the side. No, no okay. racing starts or whatever they, no. they tend to refer I think, to it. Yeah. As. I think the, the biggest differentiator there is with USPSA is you normally get briefed that your wrists have to be below the belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas with us, it's hands at sides and that's the biggest difference. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and that can vary from RO to RO. Uh, uh, yeah. And then we're not but allowed to leave the shooting area. Which ever? will make your stage planning uh, more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you leave the, the shooting area, or the, the demarcated area, and you enter anywhere else, it's deemed to be taking a shortcut and you could get between one and infinity procedurals, hmm. depending on how many rounds you, you fired. Or if you haven't fired any, but you've been, uh, they deem that you've gained significant advantage, you could still get penalized for that. Um, could, firing, I, could, I, could I drop hmm. step out of bounds yeah. and come right back in? Okay. Yeah, you, yes. can, you can drop step as long as, so, so with a drop step, because you're coming back where you left, it's fine. You know, basically... Okay on the logic that if you tripped, um, but you, we, like we, we won't have box to box because 
we have a shooting area and you can't leave it. Um, and then we also, you, you, you get, depending on, on the size of the stage and the match between three and five minutes to examine the stage. That's it. But okay. you, you, you're kind of used to that from your, your match director stuff. There's no, yeah. there's no coming through the day before and, and having a look at the stages. Um, yeah. And then we have this weird thing where we have stages of only 12 rounds sometimes. That's all right. That's <laughs> fine. You guys, yeah. I think I, I, I just, and this is subjective hmm. um, and I've never shot Ipsic before. I mean, the, the stereotype is that Ipsic is, is more um, aiming further, further shooting um, accuracy based, lower hit factor and USPSA is all hosing and, um, and fast splits and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. But um, just, I mean, like watching some of Gaz's videos and some of other, other Ipsic videos, I think my opinion is, and this, so in the United States, there, is, there are different cultures, different types of places um, um, in, in different parts of the country. But where I am in the Northwest, our shooting tends to be a little bit more technical, um, a little bit lower hit factor, further targets away. And I think it's actually closer to, to Ipsic style shooting. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to being able to, to see if that's true. We, look, I mean, we, we even get it here. You know, there's, there's some clubs here, you know, if you go to one of their matches or one of their level two, so we, we have level twos a little bit more often than you do um, mm. in that, you know, most, most sort of provinces will, will have a, a level two every month. Um, oh. So our level threes are probably closer in size to your level twos. Yes. Um, you know, so level two here will be a one day, it'll, it'll be a one day match. It'll just be okay. a, a a league. Um, and you, you know, with some clubs, if, if, if club S B is smoke is uh, smoking a stage, uh, hosting a match, it's going to be super high hit factors, lots of hosey stuff. And if you go to club P, um, you may have 35 meter mini swingers. Um, mm. Oh, geez. So those are not made up examples. These are yeah. real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like more yeah, than even, once real. Even in Ipsic with, you know, with, with three, two, one and all of that, um, you still get, you get some clubs that, that have a, a very distinctive um, flavor to them in, in what they, in, in how they, they host things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if, it, if we can get you out, it'll be fantastic. That'd be fun. Is the three, two, one rule strict or is it just for larger matches? Uh, level three. So, so we normally have three, three level, three, uh, three level threes per discipline. So pistol, shotgun, rifle sort of thing. Um, they're pretty strict about it. Uh, most places try and keep pretty close to it on level twos. There is a smaller, there is a bit of sort of room there. Um, level ones, you, you'll, you'll, also, depending on the club, you're more likely to have a few more bigger stages um, in, in relation. Um, so it's not super, super strict. Um, as I say, level three and above, okay. they're, they're pretty strict about it. Um, okay. it. I actually really like it. Um, you know, I, I'm a weirdo, but well, on many levels, but uh, a, a really good like three position, 12 round stage. I think is a lot more fun than a, a 32 round sort of hoser. Um, you know, when, when you've got a, when you've got one of those 12 round stages where you've got three, sh- 
like really good shooters looking at it with three completely different plans. I think that's mm-hmm. that to me is often like really interesting. And and we've got some clubs that do a really good job with that as well. That's cool. That's cool. I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like. Now that's one thing I would say is different. Uh, here in the U.S., we like our high round count stages. Um, and uh, you know, here here uh, definitely in some parts of the country, but every once in a while, even me, I'll put in a thirty a thirty or thirty two round hoser stage, just a massive high hit factor, just for fun. Cause they're, they're a lot of fun. It can be a huge amount of fun. We, we had a, a club here who used to, um, they haven't done it a bit with, with the owner and that, but w- every year used to have a, um, like a mega match. It was six or eight stages, 40 round stages. Mm. Um, so it, it wasn't technically Ipsic legal, but what a jaw, you know, like yeah. so much fun. Cause it yeah. was just these gigantic, especially in the early days of that, where they, you know, they, it, they they had quite a nice sort of balance and yeah, you, know, you had some crazy sort of 40 round stages. Uh, mm. So yeah, that, that can be good fun. It's just also nice to have a bit of balance. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'd love to come to South Africa. Gas make it happen. Yes, sir. <laughs> good response. <laughs> Quick Mark, response on that one too. <laughs> Mark, we've taken a lot of time, your time. So we, we obviously don't want to steal too much of it, but we would be very, very grateful if you would, um, come join us again sometime. That would, would be fun. I, I love talking to you guys. It'll be great. So let's, if we can make a plan sometime, that'll be good. And as I say, if, if we can do it once, once you start with the, the transition into the new division, I think that'll be a really nice topic for a show, but you obviously welcome any other stage. Sure. Um, have sure. you got anything else you want to add? Any, anyone you want to mention or, or that? Uh, no, I think we covered a lot of the topics. Um, I mean, you know, we didn't talk about training or, you know, techniques or anything like that, but that's fine because Gaz knows a whole lot more about that stuff probably than I do. Uh, and then he, if he's not sharing it with you, I, I can't say um, <laughs> what the problem is. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I've had, I've had a great time. Uh, and I learned a lot about South Africa and about what's Excellent. going on over there, which is awesome. And I would love to come visit you guys. Fantastic. And I think we've got two two more shows we need to do with you now because we do need to do one about training. I was about uh, to say, we now know what the next show is going to be. It's going to be no. all about training and then uh, we, we need to do a show all about the defensive stuff. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. at, least, at least three more shows. Yeah, you're getting booked. <laughs> no, anytime. I, I, you know, anytime, guys. Anytime you, you need someone to speak or just want to have a hangout and talk, I'm, I'm available. Fantastic. Oh, We're definitely awesome. going to take you up on that. I must warn you. Uh, but that'll, that'll be great. Cause I mean, Jay has been on the show a couple of times, so we've, we've got to kind of even out those numbers a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, this has been on the show 85 times. So you, you guys have a lot of catching up to do. Have we done 85 of these? Uh, including the bumpers and things. We're in episode, this will be episode 66 full episode. What is wrong with you people? Don't you have friends? Uh-huh. And people keep listening uh, to you guys? Yes. Well, they keep listened. on getting more and more people listening to this thing. <laughs> and the truly weird thing is more and more of them are in the States. Like oh. 48% or something of our listenership is now in the States. Wow. I think that's just for the accents though. I think we need I to get a say, little diplomatic immunity. Yeah. It's because it's <laughs> yes. we... It's because we can't understand half of what you're saying. So, <laughs> as much as half, stand stand on the plastic. 
<laughs> um, yeah. Mark, thanks so much. Absolutely. Um, we really appreciate it. Gaz, do you want to just um, do your magic? Yeah, of course. Okay, so thanks to everybody who's been listening to the show and being involved with the, the Facebook page and the Facebook group. Uh, if you haven't got out to do the Drill of the Month, you're running out of time for this one. And this is a really good Drill of the Month. So if you can jump out, get it done. Thank you to all those guys who've done their submissions. I did mine today. I just need to post it. Um, but still, as of now, our club rules have changed. You need to get involved with getting your submissions into the um, the Farms Control Act, the changes that they want to make there. Um, if you do five-star rating, you can get an honorary membership. But if you put in several multi- um, submissions into the the um, comments, then uh, we'll have to talk about it. But thanks to everyone who's listening. And if you've got any questions, let us know. Later, losers.